Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast 370 as we talk about how to persuade, motivate, influence, and take people to the next level. Good news today, we have a special guest named Denise Woods. We're going to learn some great things. Get your notes out. Denise is one of the most sought-after vocal coaches in Hollywood with clients like Halle Berry, Will Smith, and Mike Myers, to name a few. Wood coaches them in the fine art of communication and acting out their parts. Now, Woods is going to share her communication secrets with us. Just talk about the number one fear out there, public speaking, to asking for a raise, to establishing one's presence in a video, to maybe even a marriage proposal. We Mm -hmm. all know, we've talked about it before, we're judged on our voice, one of our most critical instruments of expression. Denise is here to help us possess the skills to make the lasting impact when we speak, a critical life skill. Denise, thanks for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure, Kurt. Thank you for having me. Oh, good to have you. We know our voice is our weapon, but we have to start off with the question of the day. Tell us right now, what is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? For me, the worst vegetable on the planet is okra. Okra. It's slimy. It's slimy. (laughs) It's slimy. (laughs) Well, what if we breaded it, fried it, and dipped it in ranch? Would it be better or still no way? No way. Mm-mm. It does alleviate the slime, but it's still okra. Okay. Like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to fix okra, even if you drown it in ranch and fry it to death. <laughs> exactly. It's hard to fix it. It's hard to fix the okra. Yes. That's, that's been a top one on the show. So we'll go with okra on this one. <laughs> this is great. Talking about our voice, we call it verbal packaging on the show. You know, we talk about the words we use and our voice is a weapon. What do you see when you coach people? I mean, you've coached a lot of different people on their voice and especially mm-hmm. actors. I mean, that's one of their weapons too. What is the biggest mistake or, or blunder that you've seen with most people regarding their voice? Two things. And I want to talk about most people as opposed to actors, because when I coach actors, they are there specifically for a role, for something that they're doing. It's not general coaching, typically. It's for something very specific. And when people come to you because they need something to work for a character or with broadcast journalists, by the time a broadcaster comes to me, the network has come to them and has said to them, fix your voice. So they know that in order to keep their job, they have to fix their voices. It may not be the axe is going to fall if you don't fix your voice. But when someone calls attention to something, you better do it. Or when you've got a character and it's a 20 million budgeted film like an Ali and everybody knows how Ali sounds, Muhammad Ali sounds, and you're Will Smith, you better get close to how this man sounds. So those are two incidents that we're not discussing. We're talking about everyday people, everyday people who use their voices and the first things that they feel are wrong with the voice when they hear it played back, 
these are the two things that can address it. Breath, breathing. The reason why the voice can be typically nasal, nasal, there's nasality, or just held back in the back of the throat is because people are not breathing. And the second thing is the imagination. People are not using their imaginations while they speak. So I'm using my imagination while I speak to you because I don't have the luxury of seeing you, you know, which is fine. We're, we're on Zoom. So as I speak to you, I'm using my imagination. I'm not just speaking words. I am letting my mind's eye guide me in this conversation. So it's breath and imagination. And those two coupled together, I really think people could have success in their voices, with their voices. I love the imagination part. So do we imagine the other person and them smiling and then being interactive? Is that what we're imagining? Or is it Absolutely. imagining the, the solution to what we want, the, the call to action? What is my objective? What do I want? What am I doing to get it? The action, as you said, what am I doing? So that if the action is to inspire, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm enlightening. I'm inspiring your audience. So I've got these action verbs. What does inspire mean? Or how do I visualize inspire? I visualize inspired by people that I'm inspired by. I visualize the word empower with wonderful women that have empowered me so that there's backstory. There's not just like the story itself. There's something underneath like an iceberg, a backstory of wonderful images and people that I have in the back of my mind that give my voice depth and strength. For instance, if I said the word blue, I would hope that your listening audience is imagining a blue sky or a blue ocean or a blue crayon or something blue as opposed to the letters B-L-U-E. Oh, I love it. Yeah, because we can imagine, we can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. It just comes different. It's just different, especially now with the technology. We're doing more over the phone, more via That's email, right. more via Zoom. Let me ask you about that. What do we need to change up? Do we need to change anything with the Zoom? And when we're doing more, we're less face-to-face. I mean, people rely on our voice more. Is there anything we need to do differently on Zoom or with Absolutely. technology? Let's start with the masks first, and then we'll go to Zoom because the masking of all of us, it really does put a mask over our voices because we don't have the luxury of seeing the mouth. A lot of our listening cues are visual, believe it or not. And when we can't see, when we don't have the visual, we have to totally rely on the audio. And so it is incumbent upon the, the speaker to articulate just a little bit more, to use your voice in a very variety, in a very varied musical way, to use inflections and different notes of your voice so that you're not this kind of monotone kind of delivery. Even when you go into the grocery store, I really want people to be conscious. It becomes a conscious thing of using voice to communicate, to communicate an idea and to put yourself in the room. That's where we come to Zooming and these virtual meetings. You want your essence to be in the room, albeit it's through a computer screen. So you've got to use 
your voice more effectively because now I'm seeing you in a box. I'm seeing you in a in the lower left-hand corner of my screen. I'll pop up in the primary box when I start speaking, but you've got to use your voice in a much more mellifluous musical way so that people stay engaged. I like it. I mean, because if you're not engaging, they're not going to listen, obviously. Absolutely. Not be persuasive. But and how it's do- not them. It's your responsibility to keep them engaged. Oh, I love that. I've been telling tell people, look, if they're not listening, it's your fault. If they're not that's engaged, right. it's your fault. If they're bored, it's yes. your fault. And that's yes. part of your voice being engaging. So how do we know how to, what to fix? I mean, we have this voice. We're born with it. People just use it every day. How would this the average person know, okay, what do I need to start with? What do I need to fix? I say, record yourself, get a piece of text, read the newspaper, read anything and record yourself. We have recording devices on our phones, read yourself or record yourself having a conversation. Just turn the the button on your phone, record, and then start listening. You will be surprised at what you hear because what you think is how you sound. A lot of times, 75, 80% is not how you sound. I often say it's the same reason that when we look in the mirror, we all of a sudden go, oh my God, where'd those 10 pounds come from? (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Oops. (laughs) You know, it's the same way. And so we jump on the scale, we see the numbers, you know, we hear ourselves played back and we go, oh my gosh, that S, every time I say the sound S, it's so hissy. It takes away from every single thing I say. And because when you're in habit, you can't hear it, but when you play it back, you can. And then what you do is you hear it and then we take charge of it. We take charge to do something about it. I'm talking about this young woman at the inauguration, Amanda Gorman, the African-American young woman who delivered the wonderful poem. And after she moved the world, not just the nation, not just with her poetry, but her delivery, I read that she had a speech impediment that she had overcome. And she talked about the hard work she put in to overcome and what she, the diligence that she gave it because she couldn't say her R's. And she said, that's a really difficult thing because my last name is Gorman. And I couldn't say the R even in my last name. And I got emotional. I said, can you imagine if this young woman didn't have the presence of mind to address that, to take it upon herself and her family to make that not become a thing that was self-conscious that would prohibit her from speaking her poetry. We would have lost out on so much had she not taken that initiative to write that impediment. And I tell everybody, it doesn't have to be a speech impediment. It could be a life impediment. You know, whatever prevents you from being your full self and putting your full voice in the world so that we see you fully, it should be addressed. Yeah, I love it. Maximizers, that's a very important. Record yourself, read a book to a child, just read the newspaper. First of all, number one, I know it's painful. Number two, yes, your voice sounds that way, but that's how we improve. That's That's how we get better to just get past that denial and listen to our voice because there's things you're doing that could make your voice better and probably more persuasive. And and I think that's my next question is how do we make our voices more persuasive? What have you noticed with the voice? You spent many years doing this. How could we work on making our voices more impactful, more persuasive? 
I call a voice print. It's like a set of fingerprints. No two voice prints are alike. You are your own unique individual person. No one is like you. No one, there isn't another person on the planet like you. So therefore you have the right to be the authority on the subject. There might be someone who knows more on the subject, might know something a little differently about the subject, but the way you deliver the subject matter is only yours and so unique to you. And so you've got to own that. You've got to own your narrative. You have to own your story because when you own your story and you embrace your story, all of it, it's easy to embrace other narratives Meaning, I don't care if the narrative is science-based where there's a whole lot of technical jargon. It's the narrative. The story is the star, not you. And so in order for you to really feed the narrative and embellish it with the utmost that you can give is to A, know who you are in the narrative, know that you are the expert on delivering the narrative, and then get out of the way after you've practiced and made sure that there are no quirks that take away from the narrative. And when I say quirks that take away from the narrative, there are no speech things or vocal tics or anything that takes away from the story. So you don't want any of those to, in any way, shed some disparity on the narrative. The story is the star. And so once you clean those up, you get in the driver's seat and you drive the car, but the story is the star. I like it. Own it. Your voice print. That's who you are. I mean, some things we could fix, some things we can't. And we know based on studies, when you feel influential, you're more influential. That's true with your voice and the way you, mm-hmm. you use your voice. I do like and it. And so that feeling of influential, it's not just I feel influential because I've said I'm influential. It's what you put in the world. It's what you do on a daily basis. It's what you do when no one is looking. Do you know what I mean? That's how you become an influential person. It's it's how you live your life that makes you an influencer. Absolutely. Your congruence, being authentic, being genuine, being who you are, owning your strengths and your weaknesses. And we all have those as, you know, that's true with our voice too. This is interesting as far as our voice is concerned. Is there anything we can do to maybe first time we're meeting somebody, we're meeting a prospect to, to sound more confident, even if we're not feeling it? How can we make our voice more confident? Excellent question. When we're meeting someone for the first time, you must listen. You must receive them. A lot of times we're so busy doing, we're so busy trying to impress, we're so busy. Listen, receive them, respond to them, leave yourself open to respond to them so that you can ask about them. I do this all the time because I'm typically a shy person. I'm an introvert. I I call myself a closet introvert because I'm an introvert by nature. And everything that I'm talking about, I learned to do because given my druthers, I would really, really like to be in my PJs watching Netflix. Quarantining for me is not a big deal. Some people are chomping at the bit to get out there. I'm okay. I'm really, really okay because I like being in, but I've taught myself to get out. And this is what I taught myself. And these are some of the tools that I use when immediately upon meeting someone for the first time, because A, I'm nervous. They might be too, but I'm nervous. And so what I do is I ask about them. I really do. 
I ask this one question because it works all the time. Well, it's two, it's twofold. First of all, I ask them where they're from because everybody is from someplace else, typically speaking. And in, in when you're in our business, you know, because we travel a lot, we travel a lot for work. We went to universities and we ended up staying in the college town that we went to. So a lot of people are not living where they were originally born. And so you ask them, well, where, where are you from? And then as the conversation gets going, this is the icebreaker that never fails for me. Where did you go to high school? And the reason why I do that is because those years, those formative years, everybody has a story around high school. I don't care what it is. It never fails. They have a story around those years in high school. And what it does is it levels the playing field. It makes me more comfortable with you, makes you more comfortable with me, because then the next question, the reciprocal question is, where'd you go to high school? And then I'll say, I went to high school in New York. I went to high school performing arts that the movie Fame was based on. And I was around all these crazy artistic people who danced in the streets, just like the movie Fame. It's a wonderful, wonderful icebreaker. Maximize, we know listening is so important, asking the right questions, not only using your voice. And here's something everyone would probably be excited about. Introverts are now more persuasive than extroverts. That's a new study that's came out because they listen, they ask questions, they connect, that's they're right. not pushy. That's they just right. listening. So it's not just vomiting and using that's <laughs> your right. voice on people. It's that listening aspect, caring. And those Absolutely. are some great questions about high school and Good, the bad, and ugly we could tell about high school, but totally <laughs> right. There's a lot of stories there. Like you said, your formative years, those are things that are very important. So that's good advice. Tell me in your book, you talk about uh, vocal fry. So, what is that and how do we fix it? It's really simple. It is when your voice, and I'm doing this right now, and uh, it sounds like um, the scratchiness on a record, or it just sounds like bacon frying. That's where <laughs> the voice is sitting back on the, on the in the back of the throat. And so it's just sitting back there, and it can potentially cause problems and trouble in speaking because it's just, it's like, uh, it's this grinding sound. And so how to get rid of it is to breathe. You breathe in through the mouth and you just let the voice go. It has to travel beyond the back of the throat. And then not only the breath, but what you want to do is couple the breath with seeing your voice outside of your mouth. Just like a comic strip character, you know how they have the bubble and within that bubble, those are the words in the bubble of a comic strip character. That's where you want to see your voice right outside, not back here, not back there. And a lot of times people fall back there at the end of a statement. They drop off and they go right back to you like, I'll start out here and then I'll trail off and go back. It's because you're really not using the power of your breath to the very end of the thought. You've got to keep the voice out, right out, down front and center and filling that space between you and the listener. And my listener is the microphone. So I'm filling this space between my lips and this microphone. You mentioned breath a few times. So when we speak, should we be speaking as we breathe in, breathe out, a little bit of both? I mean, what's the best case scenario here? Great question, Kurt. Great question. You breathe in through the mouth. You breathe in through the mouth, and then you speak out on the breath. It's breath in, voice out. Breath in, voice out. I like to use the image of a wave. You're from the, you're from Orange County. 
You know what I'm talking about? That wave that rushes up to the shore and rolls back out to the sea. It rushes up to the shore. That's breath in. And then it doesn't just rush up to the shore and stay there. It rushes up and rolls back out. And or like a pendulum on a clock. It's like to the left, right, left, right. It's breath in, voice out, breath in, voice out. So I like to say that if I have a thought and my thought is simply get out, two words, not 10, two words, get out. That's all the breath I need to support that phrase, that statement. I don't need to take a huge breath in because I've only got two words. So it's, you get the thought, you take the breath that would accommodate that so that you can speak it. Great information. So yes. what is that one thing we've missed? What is the one thing you want our listeners to know about our voice that you can share with us? Your voice is a gift, folks. I want you to see it as such. Meaning when we purchase gifts for people that we love, be it birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, we really take the time to pick and choose the right gift for that person, the right card for that person. And that's what I want you to see your voice as, a gift to the world. I want you to see a blue Tiffany box with the white bow on it. Because when we see that gift, when we see a Tiffany box, we know that someone is cared for, someone is loved, someone is really valued because a lot of time, energy, and money went into this gift. And I want you to see your voice in the very same way. The gift that you are giving to the world is your voice, your essence, your spirit. Unleash it into the world. I love it. Unleash it. You have a gift. Your DNA coded for greatness. You've got something to share with the world, and it's going to be through your voice. Well said, yes. Denise. So, Hey, where can our listeners find out more about your new book, The Power of Voice, and get in uh, contact with you? That sounds great. It's The Power of Voice, your guide to a guide to being heard. You can find me at Speak It Clearly, at Speak It Clearly on all of the social media handles. Please follow me. I'm now socially relevant these days, which is really, really nice. And I am Denise at speakitclearly.com. That's my email address, but my website is speakitclearly.com and at speakitclearly on all of the social media handles. Thanks, Denise, for sharing those powerful vocal and life techniques. Maximizers, make sure you choose one thing. Apply it. This will change your life. You'll become more influential. And this is how you're going to share your message with the world. Remember, you can find Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Or go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for this episode and the archives. Also, MaximizeYourInfluence.com is a place for your free Persuasion IQ assessment. See where you rank. And advanced influence training. Master these skills, become more influential, and go out and persuade with power. Amen. 